How are we doing today? Oh, we got to do better than that. We're going to get pumped up today. I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited to be up here. My name is Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here. I only get to speak around the 4th of July or Christmas, so I'm like Captain Christmas. So you guys really lucked out today. But I'm so excited to be going through this. I love the summertime. I love being with friends and family. And I love this sermon series that we're going through. This is so important for us to dig into and to dive into and to start to interpret and, and find out some things. I learned from a very young age that it's important for us to look to other people, look to examples, and learn from them. Different situations that they have been through, and sometimes they turned out pretty bad, sometimes they turned out great. You can learn something from someone. You can always learn something from these situations that happen in life. And I'm glad we get to go through a long sermon series like this because each individual we're going to go through week in and week out has something to offer us. So as I look at the men that we're going to study, I'm able to evaluate it myself, to look where I could be a better person, to be a better follower of Jesus, how I learn to not fall to some of the mistakes that they have gone through, but also learn how to find some of the successes that they have found. So I encourage you guys to, to take notes and, and really learn from these people. It's been a fun series so far. Jeff and Jeremy have each gotten a week, and we've gotten to learn about Levi, and we've gotten to learn about James. We've gotten a chance to learn what it means to, to get rid of the pride and the power in our lives and start moving forward. And we also learned what it means to get completely transformed, leave that old you behind and start following Jesus the way we're supposed to. Now this week is going to be an evaluation sermon. As I speak, I'm praying that God's going to just go through you guys and kind of show you some areas that we might need some help. We all have things that we're dealing with, and it's important for us to kind of evaluate what's going on on the inside. We're going to learn what it means to seal up the openings, seal up the cracks that Satan is able to use towards his advantage in our lives. We're going to learn what it means to slam the door on Satan and show him who has the power in our lives. So I'm ready for today. I hope you guys are. So go ahead and stand with me if you're able to stand. And we're going to go through our memory verse today in Matthew chapter 10. If you have your Bible, you get extra credit points from Jesus Start bringing your Bible. Uh, we also have Bibles back there. It's going to be up on our screens, and it's also in our notes and on the Journey app. But let's go ahead and read once again what's going on in Matthew. So Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. There's James, son of Zebedee. John, James' brother, there's Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for these examples that you've given us in our lives, that we're able to see different stories that will mean something different to each and every person, the experiences that these apostles face, Lord, we ask you to just bring the new light for us. 
that these words jump off the page and hit us in a whole new way, that we're able to lessen our pride and just admit some of the faults that we have going on so you can start to work on them in our lives, Lord. So we offer this morning to you. It's your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So as I was reading and praying over this scripture, a movie just kept popping into my mind. One I saw many years ago, but it's a timeless classic. I just remember this one athlete picking up the phone, he's talking to his agent. He says, I need you to say something for me. I need you to do something for me. And there Jerry Maguire sits in his office and he said, what? Yeah, anything. And Cuba Gooding just leans in, I need you to show me the money. And he's trying to understand, and Jerry Maguire starts yelling, show you the money? No, show me the money. He starts yelling, show me the money. Over and over, show me the money. And this line practically came out of the scriptures that we're going to be studying today, as we're going to be learning about the man known as Judas Iscariot. Judas, the man that was about one thing, and only one thing, himself, and what he could gain in life. I wanted to teach about Judas today for one important reason. Is that I'm struck by the fact that he was just like me. I have mornings when I wake up. I look in the mirror, and I see a little bit of Judas. Judas. And I have a suspicion that I feel a lot of us feel the same way at one time or another. That we don't really know what we're looking back at sometimes. And when we do see something, we don't like what we see. I see moments where Judas is staring right back at me. They're saying, well, how could, hopefully you're saying, how could you say that, Dustin? You seem like a pretty great guy. You're a pastor, right? <laughs> Thank you. But that doesn't mean... Yes, that's true, but that doesn't mean I'm not human. It doesn't mean you're not human. We are all facing the same things in life. The world is coming at us fast. The world wants to bring us down. The world offers us sin, and since we're human, we're open to that. And when we sin, we open that door to Satan. Even the tiniest of sins can open Enough wiggle room for him to kick open that door and take control of our lives. No matter who you are, whether you're a believer for the past 20 to 30 years, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a new believer, the same sin can open the same door for Satan. You have to remember, through Judas' own eyes, he saw the greatest teaching that you could ever see the clearest evidence of who Jesus Christ was. Through his own ears, he heard the greatest sermons and finest teachings you could ever imagine. With Judas' own feet, he followed the greatest example from town to town and did many of the same things Jesus did. And yet this man, the one that followed Jesus, the one that looked like he had it all together, he is the one that betrayed Jesus. Now, some people have a hard time that they can't understand why Judas, he, he walked with Jesus for three years. What happened? Why couldn't his heart 
be transformed? How could you not buy into everything that Jesus was offering to him? He literally walked the same steps that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, walked. He played the part. He walked the walk and he talked the talk. Unfortunately, the same thing can happen to each and every one of us. As we look around churches all over the globe, we have people that sit in these very seats. They sit in church for a lifetime, listening to the Word of God, preaching of the gospel, the prayers of God's people happening in their lives, and seeing the clear evidence of His saving power working in our lives. And yet those are the same people that will later die in their own sins and keep Jesus at a distance in their lives. We need to remember that Judas was hand-chosen. Jesus picked him for something special. And Judas made this commitment to Jesus. There's no reason to think that anything but sincere faith in his declaration to follow him. Like the rest of the disciples, he left everything to follow Jesus. In some books, it says that the 11 men were all Galilean, and Judas came from a little bit further even to follow Jesus. He took the longest trip. That's how much he was in for what Jesus had to do. On the outside, he looked very Christian-like. Yet he left himself open to attack by Satan. Little by little, he began to find cracks in his foundation. Some abrasions, some openings. He was able to let Satan slip through the cracks. See, Judas let his selfish pleasures open the door so he would take control of his life. See, Judas... Like I said, look the part. He was actively involved in ministry. You read in the scriptures that we went through in our memory verse, he was able to go out to people. He could heal. He could do these things. He had great gifts. And in fact, he was so highly regarded that he was the group's treasurer. He was trusted so much by all these people, including Jesus, that they're like, every town that we go to to collect offering, you're the one in charge of it. We trust you. We don't have to worry about it. You only give that duty to someone that you know is going to do a good job and you know is going to do the right thing. And we're able to see that more in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. So six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. The man he had raised from the dead... A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with this fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, "'That perfume was worth a year's wages.'" 
It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. When you look at the first part of that scripture, Judas seems like a pretty great guy. Very sincere. He's seeing this expensive perfume being poured out. And when you read it, the first instinct is like, oh, he, he just cares about the poor. He, he really wants to bless other people. What a great guy. He didn't want this to be wasted. But yet again, everything looks great from the outside because we can't see what's really festering on the inside. We see that later Judas was a thief. He was skimming money from the money bag. This leads us to our first character flaw of our main person, Judas. A character flaw of greed. Something we all probably get to deal with at some point in our lives. Amazing enough, this is actually the first time Judas is spoken in the Gospels. And of course, the first time he speaks, he makes a fool of himself and he complains about the way that the offering was used. See, they were enjoying a feast as I paint this picture for you. To honor Jesus. A time to treat him the way he was supposed to be treated. As these people wait hand and foot on him. They anoint him. They bless him as he kicks up his feet. Giving him the honor he deserves. And Mary enters the room. And she brought with her an alabaster flask. Some translations say a jar filled with pure nard. Which is an expensive perfume used by the wealthy. For you hipsters sitting in the crowd... It's now essential oils that heal everything. So this is what they're pouring on Jesus. <laughs> so she broke open the flask. Some translations say that he pour, they pour it on his head first and it drips down to his feet. We're going through the one that it just pours on his feet. She is using her hair to wipe it into his feet. What a beautiful act of love and humility. A time where Jesus deserves this. But that's a different sermon for a different day. Because we're talking about someone much different. So when Judas actually saw this oil being poured on Jesus, that mental calculator of his started to go in overdrive. His greed, his selfishness began to take over. His true cracks started to show where they were. See, they estimated this oil to be worth a year's worth of wages. So much money. That made Judas livid. He was so mad. And it could have been mad. Let's take a whole other way. He could have been mad that he didn't think Jesus even deserved this type of treatment because he didn't love him enough. I mean, he did call it a waste of money. But I believe he's livid because he wanted the profits of this oil. He didn't care about the poor. He cared about his self-satisfaction. His greed was taking over. This little thing they tried to keep secret was starting to creep forward. Judas was prevented from stealing and taking a little off the top from such a, a bountiful harvest that could have been used. And when this happens in the scripture, he is actually mildly rebuked by Jesus. 
And this is where I want to drive the point home with everyone. Because this is a moment that we're going to have to go through. Are we going to go down the Judas road or are we going to go down the Jesus road? Judas or Jesus? Because if I would get in trouble by Jesus, mildly rebuked, I would stop in my tracks and be like, whoa, Jesus is mad at me, I'm scared. Then I would do anything I can. I would hand over anything I did wrong because I just realized it. But Judas does something totally different. Judas does not repent. He instead stays with the, the sin he commits. He embraces the cracks that have started to form in his soul and in his heart. He did not examine his own heart. The moment where that little sin starts to creep up, it's that moment that the crack in our very own character, what Satan looks for. It's that crack where Satan is on the prowl and he's waiting, and the moment he sees some vulnerability, he is coming for you. Our sinful desires promise us pleasure but leave us with less than we ever had. We're almost willing to throw everything we have away and lose all that we could ever have. Satan saw this weakness and used it to his advantage, and he would later prompt Judas to betray Jesus Christ. See, Satan made a relentless assault on Judas's soul. And unfortunately, I need you guys to hear this because Satan is going to make an unrelenting assault on each and every one of our souls. He wants as many people used for his than the glory of God. So every moment that we take, we have to be ready. We need to look at ourselves. We need to evaluate. We need to see what's really going on in the inside that maybe other people don't get to see to make sure we're on guard away from Satan. This unrelenting attack, Judas experienced it nonstop. We see in the, the Gospels about how Satan attacked Judas time and time again. We see in Luke that Satan entered into Judas. We see in John chapter 13, the devil had already put in the heart of Judas. He was on the prowl. He went forward. And later on in verse 13, it says Satan entered into him. It's not Satan's just hanging out on the sidelines. This is intense. Satan entered into his heart. His heart was now controlled by sinful desires that started off with something so small. Judas opened the door to Satan. Yes, he'd been stealing money from the money bag. To him, it may have seemed like something so little that no one would ever notice, something he could get away with. But he lost everything for it. And unfortunately, that sinful pleasure, just skimming the top, taking a little extra from himself, was about to get ten times worse. Because Judas and the lifestyle that he chose and his hardened heart and all the cracks moving forward, he later made a deal with the chief priests to hand over Jesus. He sat at a table with our Lord and Savior 
bearing these sins that he thought that he was keeping secret. Sins he would not confess. And it's at those moments that Satan enters even more. Unconfessed sin always opens the door to Satan's power. See, Satan doesn't gain a foothold in the lives of people who are walking in the light of Jesus Christ. He only gains access when we open the door to him. Why are we looking at him when we could be looking at Jesus? A famed theologian from the Netherlands said, It is the majesty of Jesus that he can conquer man without man's first approaching him. But Satan's frailty is proved by this, that he cannot approach a soul unless that soul has first turned to him. Satan can only begin his assault when we first open that door just a little bit so he can kick it open and take control of our lives. Are we walking the walk? Are we talking this talk? Are we living the life that Christ has always envisioned for us? Are we filling these seats listening to a gospel message, the power that Jesus has, and letting it transform our hearts? Letting the change happen. Or we're filling the seats, listening for a little bit, walking out that door, going home, clicking it off, closing the door, and who knows what's going on behind the scenes. A lot of the times we take it a little too easy on us. That a small crack, a small... Sin cannot cost us anything, when in reality it can cost us everything. You have heard this snowball effect before. Something so small, this little tiny piece of ice can continue rolling, gaining momentum, gaining speed, the tale of destruction in its path until it splats. And it's too late. I just heard a story recently about this gentleman. The gentleman that had given his life over to Christ and had worked for him and walked with him for 30 years. This man handed most of his life over to God and started to follow him. As ready, he's now about to be sentenced to 68 years or more for acts of his crimes. This man was a pastor. He had a calling on his life. He was supposed to be a vessel for God's word. And instead, his worldly desires took control and became a vessel for Satan's power. Because if you're paying attention to what I said at the start, he handed most of his life over to God. God needs to transform everything about us when it's time to do these things. We can't hold on to this tiny little crack that we have in our heart and say, we'll be all right with this. I can, I can keep moving forward with it. We need to hand everything over to him so he can completely transform our lives. Judas chose to hang on to what he had. He didn't move past 
who he was wanting to be into what Jesus had always hoped for him to be. One loss of judgment can turn into a lifestyle choice. We can get used to something. Once you start, sometimes it's really hard to turn back. This man that I told you about opened the door to Satan, and he barged right in. And I tell you this, why would you tell me about a pastor doing this? Because we're looking at Judas, someone that walked with Jesus. These people are highly regarded. If you're able to have attacks from Satan when you're walking with him like that, it's because we didn't completely hand everything over. I need you to see that the attacks don't stop no matter who you are. But we have the number one game plan to battle those attacks. We can look the part on the outside, but who are we on the inside? Because that's where Satan likes to attack. In the age where many are abandoning their faith, the story of Judas warns us to guard our hearts. Seal off the cracks of sinful pleasure. Make sure our inside matches our outside before it starts snowballing away. But you got to be willing to put in the work. This is the thing. When we're faced with sins that we've been holding on to, these sinful desires that we continue to try to suppress and get away, and we think that's not hurting anyone, you got to put in work to offer it all over to Him because He is the one who is able to heal us. We need to put into work and say, I'm not that person anymore. I don't feel like going down that road anymore. I don't feel like being stuck where I've been stuck this whole time. I'm ready to hand everything over to God and let him take control of my life. I need him to rework my heart. This most valuable thing that's inside here that Jesus held so dearly, this heart. He wants control. Not us and not Satan. You can't give up out of convenience. The story of Judas also reminds us that no good can come out of giving up on Jesus. He is priceless, he is supreme, and he is amazing. We see Judas had two sides to him, and Satan went and used that one side and took complete control of him. Judas's small sin of greed, of skimming off the top, began to grow. Each stop that he made, he would take a little bit more and possibly some more. It's like, these guys just aren't catching on. I can take whatever I want. Every single stop, it started to fester inside of him until it reached a boiling point. We could see he only cared about himself. He wanted to gain everything he could for his life right now. And then something happened. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. So then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him thirty pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. 
Suddenly his greed finally got the best of him. The snowball went out of control, and now he went to betray Jesus. And some people paint the picture that Judas is a victim. And Satan forced him to do these things. But as I studied and went through this, I see that Judas was the one that opened the door to Satan. He let him take control of his life. We clearly see that Judas went to the leading priests. He went there and asked, well, how much for the one you've been looking for and you want to take care of? How much can I get out of this? What are you going to pay me? I don't see anywhere in the text where it says Judas was dragged, kicking and screaming, and they're saying, you better hand over your Savior or that's it for your life. No, he, he willingly went over to betray his Lord and Savior. How much to betray the Savior? How much is it worse to betray the one that raised people from the dead? How much is it to betray the one who heals the sick? That flaw was left unattended in Judas's life. That sin that was hidden, the thing they thought that no one noticed as he was blending in, now took over his life. He went out looking for any good price to hand over our Savior. That greed left him to hand him over 30 pieces of silver. And just putting into perspective how much that is at this day and age, I want to go back to two other parts of Scripture because this isn't the first time the 30 pieces of silver is used for someone's life or someone's work. In Exodus 21, that's a price that was given for a slave. And in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12, that was the day's wage of a shepherd. That's how much Jesus was worth to Judas. What a shepherd could make tending the fields in one day. If you look at inflation and the cost of everything now, to put it in today's terms, some people say it would just maybe work out to $90. Some people say it could work its way up to $3,000. Either way you spin it, to me, that doesn't seem like a lot of money to give up our Lord and Savior. But for some reason, people continue to sell out Jesus for a lot less. People seem to betray Jesus for different pleasures that happen in life. People betray Jesus by choosing their, living their own way of life from his way of life. People betray Jesus because of alcohol, some for drugs, sinful pleasures, some for sex, and some for other worldly pleasures. People have began searching for ways to betray Jesus for a lot less. But no matter what you betray him for, the cost is so far greater than what you gain. So Jesus, Judas went and put his plan into action. He got those 30 pieces of silver. And he went and he took those temple guards. And they marched down to the garden 
And he gave his friend a kiss on the cheek, and the temple guards took him away. And then something happened. In between those moments, something happened. And we see in Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 through 10. It says, Very early in the morning, the leading priests and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus has been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas threw down the silver coins down at the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading priest picked up the coins. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said, since it was payment for murder. After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field, and they made it into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called the field of blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that said they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased potter's field as the Lord directed. I believe as Judas accepted this money, Everything got the best of him. When he gave up trying to fix his heart, when he gave up trying to confess anything, when he gave up trying to to better himself, when he just went forward because he wanted to get a little more money, and he heard that the person that walked with him for three years was about to be condemned to die, that he sat there in that moment that unfortunately a lot of us has felt before, when we have a loss of judgment, when we start to to buckle down to the cracks that are inside of us, those openings seem to, to gain more traction in our lives and Satan keeps pushing forward. That sin that we kept trying to push down has finally come up. There you sit in the direction that you wish that you never went. feeling bad, feeling lost. As Judas says, he felt remorse. Thinking, what do I do next? What did I do? I believe when Judas walked forward into that garden and the moment that he kissed him on the cheek, I think something clicked in his mind and he thought the very same thing. What am I doing? How did I get here? Now what do I do? And unfortunately, it's that moment where Judas felt like he went too far. And it says that remorse that led him to go to a tree. But the pain he was feeling was so bad that he went and he took his own life. And he was hanged on a tree. In Acts, Luke narrates that they found him with his insides kind of exploded open. 
And I'm not saying that to gore you out. I'm saying both accounts are true. I believe that he went and he, he took his life and the, all this pressure that was going down, I believe everything started to spill out. But the reason I tell you that is because when I picture this myself, when I was studying this scripture, I believe this is symbolic. Because Judas didn't really have anything inside him anymore anyways. We need to be filling ourselves full of Jesus not of anything else that we just feel and please that makes us happy. But you need to realize something, that Jesus does not want that ending for you. That is not the ending that Jesus wanted for Judas. Even after everything that he did to him, that is not what he wanted to have happen, and he doesn't want that for you. He wants you to overcome whatever has been holding you back. Everything that you've been pushing down, he actually wants you to bring it out so he can start to take care of it. He wants you to walk forward past what has been holding you back. The thing about Satan, he doesn't care. He took control of Judas's life, and when he got what he wanted out of Judas, he threw him away like a piece of trash. But our Savior is so different in so many ways. He wants us to be so much better. Yeah, let's get amen. You guys are still with me here, right? You have to understand that Jesus never, ever gives up on you. No matter what you have done, that sin you've been holding back, the thing you're afraid to let other people know, you're not too far gone for Jesus to take control of your life. He will not give up on you. And he will actually stay right beside you as you're going through those things, hoping that one time you just look to him. We all have cracks in our soul, but he is the one that can fill them. He chose him. You have to remember, this is Jesus. He knew what Judas was going to do. It says it in John chapter 6, when he goes through this whole account, that someone is going to betray him. He knows What's going to happen? But every miracle that happens, every parable, every encounter, every act of compassion was designed by Jesus to reveal his identity to his men of what he can do in our lives. Eleven of them got it. Judas did not. I believe Jesus tried to touch the heart of Judas in many ways. He called him out from time to time, politely, but he didn't give up on him. He continually walked with him. He knew what was going to happen. He still tried to build him up. I believe he was just hoping that something would click inside of his mind. But Judas hardened his heart every single time Jesus would try to offer something. You know, this all happened because it's part of divine purpose to fulfill the plan of God. God knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Judas could see what was happening. The men, the apostles, his friends, I believe, had no idea. They accepted him in. They loved on him because he was playing the part. He acted the way you're supposed to act. But he never truly showed them what was inside, what was happening behind the scenes. They embraced this man. They never questioned him. 
And see, Judas, from the choices that he made in life, from him hardening his heart, for him letting take, Satan take control of everything, he now winds up as a monumental failure. In the other books, the Gospels and Matthew and Mark and Luke, as you saw in our memory verse, Judas is listed last. Not only is the list as last, but every single gospel, it says the one who will betray Jesus. And so we'll never overlook it, and we will never forget what he did. In fact, once Judas is listed in the gospels and he dies, that's actually the last that we hear the name of Judas. It's like he's gone. What makes the stories of Judas so dark is that it's, it's put against the most glimmering, beautiful light of Jesus Christ in our lives. And because of the brilliance of Christ, the darkness of Judas is clearly seen. Oh, Judas, where did you go so wrong? I pray that you never have to say those words about me. And I pray as I look out that I, I never have to utter those words about anyone here. In one way or another, we are all like Judas. Whether we like to admit it or not. Now it's our responsibility to endure that we don't become Judas. All of us were individually chosen. Each and every one of us have a calling, just as Judas had a calling. But in order to fulfill this purpose, we have to get everything right within ourselves. We have to start putting the work in and moving forward. We have to start letting Jesus transform us inside and out, top to bottom. Every ounce of us has to be handed over to him. Something Judas missed the boat on. We need to examine, and like I said to start, we need to evaluate our own lives. We need to look inside our hearts. We need to see the openings, the cuts, the bruises. We need to see the cracks that Satan can make his way through. And we're going to fill those cracks and those openings with the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility to look to him, to let him take complete control and do the redo for each and every one of us. Because I want to tell you, we have a powerful Savior that he will slam the door right on Satan's face and say, not this child of mine, I have them. Can I get an Amen. No matter what you have gone through in life, you may be sitting in that very seat right now saying, I want to bring this up, but I just don't know how. I want to hand over my life, but I don't know what to do. Jesus is here. He's always here. He's always right next to you. He's ready for the moment that you just hand everything over to him. Our job is not to become Judas. And so I think the very first thing we need to do is look to Jesus. I feel there are some people in here today whose hearts have been opened up. This valuable thing inside. 
I feel there are some souls that have been touched today. I feel like there's some people ready to move to the new them. Even some of us have the tiniest sin in our lives, are ready to stomp on that and move forward. So I'm going to invite you guys to say a prayer with me. Whether you've been a believer for 20 plus years, whether you're a new believer, if you're a sinner, if you're a saint, whatever you are, say this with me to invite Jesus in your life. This sinner's prayer we're about to say is a monumental decision because you're saying, I am done with this, Satan, and I'm moving forward with Jesus. I am realizing the power that you have, and I'm ready to bring it into my life. So if I invite you guys to say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, for too long I've kept you out of my life. I know that I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. By faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead after three days. You defeated death. Thank you for burying my sins and being my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and transform me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I believe if you said that prayer, this is the first moment of healing that we can start moving forward to. There's going to be a table outside the Pathways table that can help you continue on your journey of finding out more about the power of God, that he is someone that can stomp the devil out of the way. If you just need ideas of how to do that, I encourage you to stop by that table and ask some questions and get some material. I'm so excited that we get to live life with someone that never gives up on us. Someone that wants the very best us at all times. Someone that loved us so much that he doesn't want us to live with that sin. The sin we've been harboring and carrying around, that sin was defeated the moment Jesus died on that cross for us. And we get an opportunity today to take communion as a church family. So over this next song, with the stations up front and the stations in the back, keep in your heart and your mind, walk up knowing that this is safe because of this right in front of me. That I have a relationship with God because of our Savior that loved us so much that he gave his life for us, that our sins are gone, and that's only because of him. So when you guys are ready, I encourage you to come forward, say thank you, use this new start, and let's live life together knowing that death has been defeated, that Satan has been defeated, and we're going to come out stronger than ever before. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity and chance to just learn more about you. 
Let us get lost in every wonder that you're able to do in our lives. Let's sing your praises when we see these sins defeated. Let our hearts open up knowing that anything that we face before, we, can face, we are facing it with you and we know we're going to come out better. You never give up on us. You never leave us. You never will. You will continue walking with us. You laid down your life for us. Everything is about us and you, Lord. So thank you. Continue working on us. We can't wait to see what's next. It's your name we pray. Amen.